0: Today on It's Time.
1: God deals with us as his children, and when daddy says no to me, blessed subtractions, Jesus is mine. If I don't have it, I don't need it. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time.
0: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike.
1: The things, as Paul says in the New Testament, I want to do are the things I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, the things I find myself doing. Even though we know it brings destruction, what's wrong with us? Never, never noticed that? You want to know why? I'm not going to tell you. No, I'll tell you. The Bible says it's not within you and me to live righteously. Well, that's a lot of help. No, the Bible says it's not within us to be good. Haven't you looked at your children? Can't you just be good? No. Why? We have inherited an old sin nature that came from Adam. We fell in the garden, all human. In fact, the Bible says all of humanity groans under the sin of man. That's when you drive by and you see the cows out here in the field and snow on their back. That's all part of the curse, everyone. Wild weather changes, all this kind of stuff that goes on. Hey, listen, that isn't the world God initially put us in. This is the result of that. So as we look at this, we understand then God's plan is to bring all of us to himself. Moses came and told the people God's judgments. The people said, this we will do. That's the intention of our heart, but we don't have the strengtheners. I've talked to a lot of people that say, well, I'd accept the Lord, but I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Let me tell you, first of all, you're going to. And in fact, there's a book written in the Bible just for that purpose. It's called 1 John. Chapter 1. And if we sin, we have an advocate, we have an attorney with the Father, which is Christ Jesus, that will plead your case. You see, the thing is, I can't let the possibility of sin in my life paralyze me from going forward in doing what God wants me to do. Because if you do that, you will not move forward. So don't be scared of failing. God is bigger than the things that you've done wrong. Let's look at this. So Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, the 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of, of Israel who offered the burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins. By the way, that means he was storing it. We'll talk about that in a second. And half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, probably out of the basins, and sprinkled it on the people. Well, that's kind of weird. So, the sacrifice goes on. He sprinkles the blood, and then he sprinkles it on the people. I don't know whether he dipped his hand in the blood and just went fling, you know, like you... But you know what that does? Basically, it's saying you're blood brothers. Now, you remember, you know, the the Indian thing where you cut your blood brother, okay, kind of thing. Uh, But there's a uniting that comes through blood, and there's a forgiveness that comes through blood. The things that were done wrong in the past, all forgiven in the blood. That's what this is talking about. And I like that because God did not make separate covenants for individuals. One covenant fits all. Have you ever talked to people and they go, well, me and God, we got our own little deal going. You know, like they got it out of a Cracker Jack box. Me and God got our own little thing going. My big buddy upstairs. And I've talked to people like that. And I go, no, 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 no. It's the same covenant for all of us. The sprinkling of blood. And by the way, when we we get up to this point, Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to these words. Now, just very quickly, you don't have to go there uh, yourself, but I'll just read it to you out of the book of Hebrews, New Testament, starting in verse 20, saying, The blood of the covenant which God has commanded you, likewise, he sprinkled the blood both on the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry according to the law, almost all things, Purged by blood, without shedding the blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. People say, what's that about? Sin is so outrageous to God. The only way it can be forgiven is through blood. Life for life, sin for sin, that's the only way you get rid of it. That's why the blood of Jesus is so important. Because without understanding why Jesus died on the cross doesn't really allow us to understand how bad sin really is. Now people say, well, how can that be so bad? Let me ask you something. You ever had somebody burn you really good? Maybe stole money from you? Maybe stole a boyfriend or a girlfriend from you? Maybe maybe uh, ruined your name? Maybe done things like that. And you, and you know the anger that's there. And, and in fact, you, you'll be, I'll be having a great day and somebody may mention their name and you go, Aah! there's a lockup. You could be having a great day and all of a sudden you'll, you'll go through the time passages of your mind and all of a sudden you remember what somebody did to you. And now instead of having a good day, you remember what this person did to you and now you're angry. That's what it is. That's what sin is. That's what sin does. That's why it needs to be forgiven. Because if it's not forgiven, that will fester in your life and paralyze you in the days to come. In fact, it'll block out. You won't even be able, because you can be in a very good place. You can go and go to an amusement park and you might be swirling around on some teacups or something like that. And you're going, wee wee. Wee! And then you'll think of this person that hurt you for some reason, because somebody in the line waiting to get on the teacups looks like the person that burned you. And all of a sudden, I want to kill him. I want to kill him. You go from a place of joy to a place of torment in just the thoughts in your mind, because there is no forgiveness. See, God brings forgiveness. When you are forgiven, you can Forgive. If you're not forgiven, we hold that inside of us. Now, again, as we just read, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission of sin. So Jesus' blood reminds me of how much God has forgiven me for, and I need to hold the posture I will forgive them. That's what God wants. Because now all of a sudden I can go forward with life. I can enjoy today, not hampered by what somebody did to me in the past. And friends, you got to hold on to that. Some of you listening are tortured by the things of your past to the point that it ruins the joy of the day. And God says, listen, the sprinkling of blood. Moses dips his hand in the blood and flicks it on the people. You're all in the same covenant. You're all forgiven in God. So he says, Then Moses went up. Also Era, Nadab, Abihu, the 70 elders of Israel, and they saw God of Israel. And there under his feet was the paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heaven in its clarity. Some people believe he might have been actually a picture of that we find going up to the book of Revelation, uh, chapters 4 and 5, where we have this description of God. And that he's, there's the crystal sea before the throne, which probably is blue. I don't know. But he says that it was beautiful. But the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his uh, his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. Very normal thing in the presence of God. Now, what this means exactly, they saw God, we don't really know. Because if you go up to Exodus, I believe it's chapter 33, it says, no one has seen God at any time and lived. So maybe the way they saw God was not in complete clarity, but maybe as it says, concerning even Moses, he saw the backside of God when he came down out of the mountain and his face shone. I don't know. But I do know this. That when we have a close encounter with a real God, we change. And that's what you need in your life, is you need to be changed by the Spirit of God. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, and the law the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose, by the way, that's always a good thing when God tells you to do something, you do it. He arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, wait here. Up until I come back to you, indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has an issue, let him go to them. That's one of the things that Moses would do. He was like a judge. And so if you got an issue, go to Aaron and go to Hur. They will, they will take care of you. Then Moses went up to the mountain. And a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now it's interesting. The seventh day in the Bible is the day of rest, right? Six days, God created the heavens and the earth. Seventh, he rested. And God said on the day of rest, come up to me. It is interesting that you're ever going to find real rest for your soul. You're going to find it in God. And he calls him up. And then it says, Moses went up to the midst of the the cloud, went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for, for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is where God gives him this tablet of stone of what God expected. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment out of the 10? And he said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then he said, the second is likened unto it, love thy neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two, and this is where he includes all of it, hang all the law of the prophets. So if you love God, we're not called to keep the Ten Commandments. We're called to keep the two commandments of Jesus Christ. Those are Jesus' commandments. Love God, love your fellow men. That's what we're supposed to do. I have found this. I cannot do that in myself. I can't. I try. I see the failures in that person. And I go, well, they're a nerd. Or they're this or that. And God says, but you're a nerd too. Oh yeah, thanks for reminding me, God. You see, that's the thing that God always does. He brings us back to reality. Have you ever been around people that are, are, are narcissistic egomaniacs? The whole world's about them. I don't do anything wrong. It's all your fault ever been around that? Boy, I'll tell you, it's hard to be around people like that. Been around kids like that? Parents gave them everything they ever wanted in their life? Mommy, I want that. Okay, here. I want that. Here. And they grow up, and when they're 18, 20 years old, they're so spoiled, you can't be around them. God deals with us as his children, and when daddy says no to me, blessed subtractions, Jesus is mine. If I don't have it, I don't need it. That's what's so great about a relationship with God. I've gone before you to bring you where I want you to be and to protect you there. That's what God wants to do. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you have no one leading you. You're being led by the winds of of fad in the world. But if you're a Christian... God is leading you where he wants you to be. And listen, God opens and closes doors according to his will to get you to be where he wants you to be. God, I really want you to do this. And God says, no, oh God, you don't love me. God says, no, that's not it. I said, no, because I want you to go over here. And that's what God does. When God says, always know this, if God closes a door, he's going to open another one. But that's where God wants us to be. And we look at things sometimes and think, well, God, you don't love me because if you love me, you wouldn't have let this happen to me. God says you needed to learn that for what's going to come down the pipe in the future. You look at the life of Joseph. We've already studied about him. How his brothers were jealous of him. They made a story up that an animal killed him. They sold him into slavery. He goes down to Egypt. He ends up being sold as a slave in a foreign country. A man named Potiphar buys him as a slave. Potiphar was so confident in him. He said, listen, you take care of everything I've got. Well, his wife also wanted him to take care of her. And you remember the story that she yells rape as he runs out of the house because she made a move on him. He ends up in prison. And when he ends up in prison, this is where he meets a butler and a baker that were at the hand of the pharaoh. Now, evidently, there was probably a assassination attempt on his life. Was it the butler or was it the baker? Who poisoned the food? I don't know. But they both had dreams. Joseph interprets the dream Says to the butler, you're going to be restored by the king's side. The butler, feeling confident, said, well, I had a dream too. I dreamed about it. I had a basket of bread on my head and the birds came. He goes, oh, man, <laughs> you're going you're to lose your head over all this. Time went on. He told the butler, hey, listen, mention me to the king. Well, one day the pharaoh has a dream. He can't interpret it. He doesn't know what it means. He brings his, his magic men in. They don't know what it means. And the bowler goes, I remember when I was in prison, there was a guy in your prison down there that can interpret dreams. He, well, the king says, bring him up to me. And there is where Joseph said to the king, you had a dream, the fat cows and the seven skinny cows. Seven years, there's going to be plenty. Seven years of severe famine." And what you need to do, Pharaoh, right now is you need to start storing up grain for this famine that's coming. And the Pharaoh looks at him and says, you know what? I have never found anybody that had the wisdom of the gods dwelling in them. You be my prime minister. And he went from prison to prime minister in a day. God prepared him for those 10 years when he was treated so poorly for what God was going to do the rest of his life. And sometimes I have found in my life, I am in that training period. It's uncomfortable as much as it was to set an algebra class in college. Remember that? Do anybody remember how bad algebra really was? Where you would look at the clock and a minute was like a thousand years. And you were just going, please do something. Get me out of here. X equals Y divided by C equals 12. First of all, I don't care. I have found in my life, I have not used algebra at all. Now, that's a tragedy, isn't it? That we spend time learning things that we don't need and the things we really did need to learn, we are fully unequipped. I remember this when I first moved to Idaho and I was in a well hole trying to figure out how to hook up the 220 to my well. Why didn't I learn anything about this in school? But I know who took pictures during the Civil War. Didn't really help me much. What I'm saying is you need from God his blessing in your life. You don't need a lot of other stuff. And when God is in control of your life, he will lead you and protect you in what he wants you to do. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to get right with God because you're carrying weight you were never designed by God to carry. Second thing is, you're paralyzing yourself from going forward and what God wants you to do. And you're in it all alone. When you become a Christian, Christ died for us. His blood covered our sins. As we read in Hebrews, that this covenant was for all of us that caused us to be his family, blood brothers, if you will, we watch out, not only is God watching out for us, but we watch out for one another. Our sins are forgiven. We can move forward in what God's called us to do. Not a bunch of hype that you see sometimes in the church world. Give me a J, give me a E. No, 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 no. This is real. This is real life. This is what you need. And we go, okay, God, I'm going to walk in you. And the Bible says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your sin is paralyzing you. And if you don't get out of it, you'll find yourself repeating it. There's only one way to break free from it. It's not not through psychobabble. It's through Jesus. And then we can move forward. And we can then have God write his law on our heart. Not a thou shalt not, but thou shalt love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. That's what God wants to do. Change your eternal destiny, not only in heaven, but right now. What you're going to do in the future. And you know what, friends? That's exciting. Because the thing is, you're out of your rut. For the first time, you got out of the coffin with the ends kicked out, and now you can do what God wants you to do. You're free. Let God free you today. If you're not a Christian, and you don't want another 10 years like you just had, I invite you to pray this prayer today. Mean it from your heart, and let God do something brand new in you. If you need to get right with God today, and maybe you're a Christian, and you've been playing on the wrong side of the fence, and you know exactly what I mean, it's time to come home. It's time to say, okay, God, I'm going to do it your way. And God says, he will bless you. You will be blessed. That means God's favor has been returned to you. And then God, as he said to Moses, come here. Okay, I'll come, God. You see, God's calling every one of us, just like Moses, come here. And as we read earlier, so Moses arose, back to verse 13. Moses arose. He did. When God calls you, you'll respond. God's calling all of us. We're in, Listen, we're all little Moseses, if you will. God calls us. Will you respond? Will you arise and go? You say, well, I don't know if I can. Listen, God will help you. Let him be your source of strength. If you need to pray, get right with God. Let's pray right now. Let's see what God will do in your life. If you've been distant from God, pray and just say, Lord, from now on, I just want to be about your business. All this other stuff is passing away. It's all getting broken and old and sun bleached and I'm tired of it all. I want to do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you to come into my life today. I'm sorry for the foolish way that I have lived. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I ask you to make me the best I can be. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood took away my sins. And so I believe that he rose from the dead and that you would bring that same life into my life. And so now from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, lead me where you want me to go. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website. At the RiverChristian Fellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.